It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to the program. Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today. Mr. Tate, what are you saying? You ready for a big basketball game? Absolutely. It's a big one. It really is a big one. And uh, two teams that are in that cluster of teams with uh, five losses. It's got to break up some today. Who can play defense without fouling? Well, that's the key. And these are two of the better defensive teams in the Big Ten. So and you, the country. And the country, you're right. You might not uh, might not get into the 70s today. It might be a 60s game. I would say so. Illinois is a slight favorite in that ball game, but Rutgers uh, playing pretty well. And you've got some other action, too. You've got uh, later on today, Indiana at Michigan. And both those teams are in that uh, second-place tie, too. So the loser of that will have six losses. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot to play for. You could go, if you're Illinois, you could go into second place. Or, or your seventh or, place, or. <laughs> <laughs> just by uh, winning or losing the ball game today. But did you see what happened to Lou Henson's old school, I New did. Mexico State? I did. They had suspended. The team's been suspended for what hazing? We don't know the details of it, I, but evidently they did something wrong. Something uh, more than just wrong, apparently. Yeah. They they must have some pretty good evidence to to take that uh, extreme of a step there. But yeah, their program is on hold. So a lot going on this weekend, a lot uh, of sports underway, Illinois tennis, uh, both tennis teams won last night, softball team split, season opener down in Florida, they beat Southern 14-2, to lost to Tennessee 9-2 to in the nightcap. Yeah, that was interesting, the, the pitching selection there, McQueen pitched a one-hit ball for three innings and they took her out and brought in Wiles and she gave up some runs and then Sickles gave up five runs and, and Sickles we thought was our ace. And she's been, you know, she's been the ace in recent years and gave up five runs in about the uh, sixth inning, I believe it was. And, and Illinois lost that game to Tennessee 9-2 to after, after uh, win, winning easily against Southern 14-2. to And they jumped out in front of Tennessee 2 nothing. Yeah, on a home run, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, Tennessee's top 20 team, so and they'll play some more softball down in Clearwater over the weekend, uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, men's golf team is in Mobile, Alabama this morning. We'll talk to Mike Small about 10.30. His team is playing practice rounds today and tomorrow before officially opening the spring season, Monday and Tuesday, in an event down there in Mobile. Fifteen teams on hand for that. And uh, the women's golf team is opening the season in California. They're playing in a 16-team event Sunday through Tuesday on the golf course. Some other Illinois action coming up as well, including the women's basketball team, Playing tomorrow at number eight, Maryland, at noon. You can hear it right here on DWS. What a win that was the other night. Really good rally, a 20 nothing run against Nebraska to come from behind. What were they, 10 points behind or so, right the, toward the end of the third quarter and went on that run and, and another strong finish by Cook. And we don't know the status of Bryant, who sprained her ankle early in that game and did not come back. And so, Steve, will she play tomorrow at Maryland? I don't think we know. I think no. she's questionable at best Yeah, in a situation like that. Uh, 
He's a really good player, and they would miss her. Um, obviously, they missed her at Nebraska, but they won anyway. That game is tomorrow, as we mentioned. Today is a 1 o'clock tip at the State Farm Center, Illinois, and Rutgers. A little rededication ceremony yesterday of yeah. the Ubbin uh, basketball facility. Manny Jackson was there. Rick Schmidt, Darren Williams, all in town for that. Yeah. They uh, named the uh, courts, the practice courts, the uh, Manny Jackson and Jerry Colangelo court, which was uh, interesting and a nice ceremony over there. Yeah, that that's a those guys have had a great career in in ownership in athletics and and in basketball and and it's nice to, that they can put their names on there. The uh, Big Ten schedule today: Penn State at Maryland in the uh, first game at eleven. Rutgers at Illinois at 1 o'clock, game day at 11 on that here, following this program. Wisconsin is at Nebraska at 3, and a number 18, Indiana at Michigan at 5 o'clock. I don't know who you root for if you're an Illinois fan in that game. You, you know, it's good that one of them will lose. <laughs> right. Well, I think for, for the time being, you know, the, you're, you're not too worried about standing. You just got to win games and and get yourself eligible for the NCAA tournament. That's about the only thing that matters right now. I mean, be nice if you could make a run at Purdue, but they're they're way out there. I'm not sure anybody's going to make a run at them, and uh, they're 12 and two in the league. Then you've got Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan, and Northwestern, all eight and five. Illinois is seven and five. Then Iowa and Maryland and Michigan State are seven and six. So there's a whole bunch there, and. Will those uh, eight or nine teams all make the NCAA tournament? I don't know yet. Well, um, I'm going to switch you over to baseball real quick if we got a minute and yeah. get your opinion on the Cardinal broadcasts are all of a sudden being shaken up, first of all, by uh, losing their announcer and uh, and then finding that, uh, that uh, I'm not sure how to explain this, but bankruptcy is hitting the, the – uh, Diamond Sports, which own 19 regional sports networks, and one of those networks is involved with Cardinal Broadcasts. And if if there is a bankruptcy, uh, what does that mean to the Cardinals and and their uh, ability to uh, to take care of their salaries and everything? You got 160 million dollars they got to come up with. I agree with that, and uh, I don't think we know the answer to it other than. How will it shake out in bankruptcy? Who um, who takes over? Uh, I don't think Major League Baseball will let that many um, cable networks uh, go. I, I mean, they're really big. I mean, somebody's got to fund it. I get that. Well, there's 40, but but some of those are, are hockey. Some of them, I, I, there, I get there, it. there are other sports it. as well. I don't. I mean, the, the Cardinals are, are probably the major team that Valley's involved with. Don't you think? I mean. The number one team, I would say. I think I think the Braves. The number one franchise. The Braves are Valley as well. Okay, okay. The, the uh, it used to be Fox Sports Midwest. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And then there was Fox Sports South and Fox Sports East and all that. So all those, I assume, are still Valley connected since Valley bought that that part of the uh, situation. But I don't know what's going to happen, and uh, well, we'll have to wait and see. If you, if I tell you that. That cable TV numbers are dwindling, or, 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 or they're they're going down. The numbers have gone down. I'm I'm I'm, I'm reading 38 percent since 2014. That's nine years, but 38 percent. And you've had the COVID, which probably, uh, and now you've got inflation, which affects people's decisions on 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 you know what to pay for. 
what does it mean in, in terms of everything else that's, that's on cable? I mean, other sports I'm talking about. Now, we're seeing this is a major operation here that's going under. And there's, we're talking millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, and I don't know as far as uh, competitors out there, other companies that run cable networks and such, whether uh, if it goes individually. I mean, I, obviously, I think the Cardinals will be a, a very uh, desirable entity to have if you had the the funds to, to run something yeah, they, like that. Yeah, they get numbers and they get eyeballs, don't they? I mean, they, they do. In fact, they're one of the very best in, in all of baseball. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Some uh, comments from a caller in Manchester, Missouri. Patrick, uh, hey, what? Well, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, fellas. I uh, I heard you talking about this Bally's bankruptcy deal. Mm-hmm. They, they own so, the broadcast rights to 40-plus teams, and the Cardinals are one of them. Yeah, Cardinals, I believe, are one of 18 Major League Baseball teams that they have the rights to. No kidding. 18. And huh? they're go- yeah, and they're going to skip a $140 million uh, interest payment uh, that's due. It's either the end of this month or sometime in March. And then from my understanding, because we've been uh, hearing about this on the radio here in St. Louis, from my understanding, uh, no matter what happens, Cardinal fans won't see the difference and it'll go into bankruptcy. A bank will take it over. The bank will want to sell those rights. And then Major League Baseball also has the right to null and void that contract. And then they can make a contract with whoever else wants to deal with it. See, in my opinion, Bally Sports did it the wrong way. They put on, you know, some markets they've got baseball some markets they've got basketball as well Mm -hmm. but what they also thought we were going to do is just watch and bet on sports and as you guys know content is king and if all you put on is poker and betting on horses or nba or whatever sport that's not going to bring eyeballs they don't have any content other than just an, an example of Valley's Midwest is uh, the Blues or the Cardinals. Other than that, no one watches that channel. Mm-hmm. Well, so it, I don't think of my 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 main concern is you know I think the Cardinals will come out fine because they yeah. have the number, they have the, the attendance, they have the people watching on TV that want to see them on TV. What I'm what I wonder about is the, the overall cable sports, uh, you know, where 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 you might have a, a drop off that will affect. Maybe even the colleges at some point. I mean, oh, you're you're right. You're right. It will in- impact them. In fact, uh, ESPN's talking about backing off certain things. So, well, uh, I, I see the Big Twelve and and the Pac twelve have had a lot of trouble as far as their con- con- uh, you know getting their contracts signed. I I know that, and that's because they still it still comes down to the number of people that you that are going to watch, and and you got to be able to sell the advertisers on that on those number of eyeballs. Absolutely. And if, if, in my opinion, I'm 43, if they would stream anything, I would buy that streaming app. And if they made it affordable, maybe put it in a bundle of some kind where if I'm what they want is $20 for Valley sports plus, and you can't uh, even month. get Cardinals games on. Yeah. Per month. So you can't even get Cardinals games on Valley sports plus. 
The only thing you get on Valley Sports Plus is Memphis Grizzlies, the Pacers, and the Blues. And I'm sorry if you're not going to add the Cardinals in there. People are not going to buy it. What's the feeling down there, Patrick, about uh, Chip Carey coming in as the uh, TV play-by-play voice? Well, he just did a, uh, a media run yesterday, and he is actually, uh, he was born in uh, St. Louis County, and he went to high school where my wife teaches. <laughs> and he's actually from here, and as you guys know, you don't have it in with the Cardinals unless you are from St. Louis. So <laughs> people are excited to have him here. I feel bad for Danny Mack. He's a friend of mine. I feel bad for Dan McLaughlin, but... Uh, you know, things are going to work out for both of them. Well, Patrick, we appreciate that information. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for giving us a call. All right, go Illini. Yep, have yep. a good day. It's really a complicated uh, business. It is, and uh, you and I were talking off the air about it, that these things have a have a way of working out, and the viewer probably doesn't know how it worked out or probably doesn't care as long as they can turn it on and see the ball game they want to see, right? Yeah, there's uh, the question is what's on the horizon, what's down the road, how's this going to affect you know maybe at some point the Yes Network in New York or the or what Washington has going on and and when you have all those questions, I mean at some point, uh, well I you know all these deals that are being like for instance the Big Ten deal that's a seven year deal. Seven years. So what's the situation going to be seven years from now? How? What's it going to look like? And, you know, when you owe $300 million, <laughs> when you're paying, you know, you're paying off these huge debts that all these Big Ten and other schools are paying off, you've got to depend on cable to, to, to provide income. 914 is the time. We mentioned that uh, New Mexico State situation. You said... You- we had a caller off here wanting to know more about that. We don't know a lot about it. Uh, we don't know the hazing specifically, right. other than that's what they're calling it. But they've mistreated some freshmen, is my guess, in some fashion, and inappropriately, and, and it's so bad that they decided they're not going to let them play. So that's what we know at this point. With the, some other news may come out over the weekend on that. Our guest lineup coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes. We'll visit with Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquirer, talk about today's game and other Illini events and activities. Ed Hightower will join us at the bottom of the hour at uh, 9.30. Coming up in the second hour, Joe Henriksen will talk some high school basketball. You, you, you believe we're down to the last uh, week or so of the, yeah. the regular season. Women are already getting ready to go. They are. And, of course, uh, be heading back. Uh, the guys will be heading back to the uh, State Farm Center coming up in March. And then coming up at 10.30, we'll talk to uh, Mike Small, Illini golf coach. He's down in uh, Mobile, Alabama, his team getting set to open the season on Monday and ter- Tuesday in a tournament there. 9.15, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're back with more after this. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. The Lanai Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Pellaofchampaign.com. Illini family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. 
917 Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11. We'll talk some Illini football as we uh, move along on the show today. We welcome in uh, Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquirer. Good morning, Jeremy. How are you? Good, Steve. How are you? Good. Getting set for an important basketball game at the State Farm Center today. You'll be heading this way uh, shortly, I'm sure. We'll talk about that. Rutgers in town. Uh, both those teams uh, in that uh, group of teams with five losses. So we'll see a little bit of change in the Big Ten standings as we uh, work our way through the uh, weekend. But certainly a big game for the Illini, who have had, as it turns out, a week to get ready for this one. Yeah, it feels like it's uh, it's been a while since we've uh, covered a basketball game. I guess it's only been a week. But, of course, Illinois has had you know, a week to prepare for this game. But I still think they would have rather played Minnesota at home. Because uh, I think they could have had a chance to to play Luke Goody, uh, see see what he can do, and just get him back on the court. Because uh, I think he could be valuable for this team, but I think he needs to kind of gear up for that kind of role. Uh, not taking away anything from Minnesota, but they're the worst team in the Big Ten, and you would have had a chance to potentially play him. I know Brad Underwood talked the other day about potentially Zachary Perrine. I, I don't expect him to play a big role, but just to kind of get that under your belt, kind of keep uh, the season kind of in rhythm here. Uh, but certainly they had things they probably wanted to work on, so you could take advantage of that. But, you know, Rutgers has uh, obviously been much better at the rack than they have been uh, at Illinois. Illinois won six straight at State Farm Center. But they're a tough team, a uh, really tough team. They're obviously – I love the way they're built. Uh, they had a, a big injury the other day to lose a starter uh, for the season. But Paul Mulcahy, Cliff Omaruri, Caleb McConnell – uh, and Cam Spencer's been one of the best transfers in the Big Ten this year. So just a really good team. Steve Pike has done a, a great job there. But, yeah, if you want to get a top-four spot in the Big Ten, you got to beat a team like this at home. Uh, and Illinois has not beaten a top-half team, to my knowledge, so far in, in the Big Ten yet this season. A lot of those have been away from home. But uh, there's an opportunity for Illinois to kind of keep themselves in that pack, fighting for a top-four spot. If they don't, uh, all of a sudden you're, you're – really fighting uphill to, to get one of those top four spots in the Big Ten. Uh, I don't think anybody thinks Illinois is going to catch Purdue uh, at this point. I don't think anyone thinks Illinois is probably going to be a top three seed at this point. Um, but, you know, to continue to beat good teams and, and give yourself some confidence going into March, I think this is the type of game you got to win at home. Yeah, you're right. They have not beaten anybody above them, and so that uh, that kind of hurts them when you get down to looking at tiebreakers. Um and right now, they're probably anywhere between a, a five and six seed. If they can pull off a little winning streak, maybe they could get into that top four and get that double bye. But uh, it's all about taking care of business. And uh, this looks like a game that uh, might be in the 60s, maybe even the low 60s, the way these two teams play defense. Yeah, two best uh, defensive teams uh, in the Big Ten. But isn't this kind of amazing, guys? Like, you know, the last couple of years we've talked about, this is just kind of my big picture takeaway. Um, We've been focused so much on the Big Ten race, what it takes to win a Big Ten championship, what it takes to get a, a one seed or a three seed. All this stuff is like just fodder or, or just kind of, I guess, the preamble to what does Illinois do in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Right. It seems going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, but, but all this stuff, like, it's fun. Like, it, you get to learn more about this team. Like, I think Terrence Shannon's got to play a little bit better for this team to, to reach its goal. Um, but I think we've seen this team can compete with the best teams in the country. They can beat some of the best teams in the country. Uh, but, but it all feels like, well, tell me where they're at in a month or two, or a month or month and six weeks or whatever it is. So um, it's just kind of funny how, you know, the last couple of years, 
It's been a great run. February, March, uh, it's been fun. But then mid-March, uh, it just hasn't been, obviously, it's fun for Illini fans. So it's all kind of just leading up to, well, who do they get in the tournament? What's the path look like? And can they get to the second weekend? You know, it's, it's interesting to watch this season. I'm, I'm, I, I, I like to have your comments on what they might do to be able to shake Shannon loose because everybody – has uh, had a chance to evaluate him, and and defensively they kind of know what his, uh, you know what his preferences are, and they've been able to take those away. He, he was the best player for the first part of the season, without a doubt. But more recently, I'd say Meyer's been the best player. And how do you get them both going at the same time? <laughs> well, I, I think part of his numbers and his production going down is Meyer, right, and, and Jaden Epps. To be honest with you, like. But those two have been steadier. Uh, it, it's weird to say that about a freshman in Jay Depps, but that's what's made him so big. Like, he doesn't have to carry that entire offensive load anymore like he was seemingly early in the season when, when Epps wasn't kind of the guy yet at lead guard uh, and Meyer hadn't quite broken out and kind of, you know, just looks healthier now. Um, but yeah, I, I think one thing you want to see with Terrence Shannon is aggression. Aggression to the rim uh, and, and then just focus on getting a shot, shot up on the rim. Sometimes it seems like he does look for the foul. Uh, but, Nick, when he gets to the free throw line, uh, it, it all seems to change for Illinois offensively. Uh, and the other thing is, I, I just think his isolation threes, he, he's not as good at that as, as Matthew Meyer. I'd love to see him just get more threes in rhythm. But the thing is, like, guys, can't you see Matthew Meyer being the star of, of first weekend pod? Like, you can just see him going off and leading Illinois to the Street 16. But they also have a guy in Terrence Shannon that is capable of doing that. But I just haven't seen the, the typical aggression to the rim that we have here recently. So that's. But we did see in moments in Iowa. I think we kind of overlooked that. It wasn't the best game for him at Iowa. But he had two big buckets as Iowa was having their parade of free throws that kind of kept Illinois in that game and, and gave them a chance. And then he just missed a layup. It was a contested one, but he just kind of missed one. But I like the aggression to the rim. Uh, so those are the things I just want to continue to see out of him. He doesn't have to take 15-plus shots, but I want to see him continue to be aggressive uh, towards the rim uh, and, and not settle for as many contested isolation three-pointers because guys, that's enough offense. When you got Meyer, Epps, and Shannon doing what they're doing, that's a lot of offense, especially at the rim. They just they could really use somebody to, to help those guys and just knock down a corner three, whether that's Hawkins, Melendez, Luke Goody, uh, whoever it is, uh, I, I still feel confident that Terrence Shannon will be good. It's just he's kind of in a little bit of a rut, and that's averaging 10 points per game for him, um, which is I think he'll be fine. But I think they could really use somebody that can, can make threes because Terrence has been one of their best distributors um, throughout the season, just creating opportunities for his teammates. I think he'd have a lot more assists if, if R.J. Melendez and Coleman Hawkins could knock down a few more. Uh, by the way, Jeremy, did you hear about the, they were operating uh, defensively with the small balls in their hands so they couldn't reach out and foul? <laughs> I guess they were doing that in practice, huh? Positioning with with balls in their hands. They they should, Lauren, because uh, I know people had issues when referees call fouls. They fouled a lot at Iowa. I actually thought some of the calls in the first half when Illinois only had six fouls were a little bit more questionable than when Illinois had, what, 16? In the second half, they foul a lot. And, yes, I think Dane Danger, just just get your hands up, man. Your seven-foot, seven wingspan uh, will force a tough shot. He doesn't need to be reaching in for steals. Terrence Shannon gets a little handsy at times. Ty Rogers had some bad ones. 
yeah, I think that's what they should do because, boy, I thought they were the better team if it weren't for fouling. you, you got to tip your cap to Tony Perkins and, and Chris. Uh, Jeremy, I want to get you into football real quick. Uh, I, I was going to question your evaluation of the recruiting. I saw where you gave them a, a B-plus on recruiting. That's pretty high, I think, for a team that's seventh or eighth in the conference and, what, forty was it 43rd composite in the, in the nation? It's grading on a curve. Okay. <laughs> I think it, it is grading on a curve. It's grading it, – for me, it's grading against Big Ten West opponents. Okay. Lauren, I, am not, I'm, I am not at the point where I am going to – like, we understand, right, that Illinois and Ohio State and Michigan are playing two different games. Yeah. It's just two different games in college football. So if you're going to make the march up the Big Ten, you got to beat some of your peers that you realistically can compete with. That's Iowa, that's Michigan, or that's Iowa, that's Wisconsin, that's Minnesota. And Illinois finished third in the Big Ten West. And this is the best recruiting class Illinois has had in 10 years. So there are issues. they got to get better at quarterback. They're doing that mostly through the portal. I don't have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to get better winning some bigger defensive line battles. I like their evaluations on the defensive line. But they didn't get a Keith Randolph or Johnny Newton talent-wise in this class. So they're going to have to develop those guys, get the most out of them that they got. But this is the best wide receiver class Illinois had in mm-hmm. a decade or more. They had a four-star running back from Central Illinois. Uh, they've added – Really good defensive backs, including a kid out of New Jersey, Sabor Kareem, that I really, really like. So is it a B, B plus? I don't know, but it's a, it's a good recruiting class for what Illinois has been doing. You want to land more of the defensive line. Uh, but I, I do think their offensive line recruiting, their wide receiver recruiting, their edge recruiting, their defensive back recruiting is really, really good right now. And I think it's a class that will help Illinois continue to be one of the middle-of-the-pack Big Ten teams and continue to you know, compete with the Big Ten West programs. Now, I know the Big Ten West is probably going away, but that's kind of how I measured it. So well, we got one more think, year. <laughs> yeah, are, are you going to compete with Ohio State Michigan? No, that's, but I, I, that's not how I'm measuring it at this point. Maybe I should, but I, I just I think it's realistic to compare Illinois to some of these other Big Ten West programs, and I think they are recruiting as well as is most of them. The only program that's really kind of been ahead of them the last several years, guys, has been Nebraska. And Nebraska's not winning any games. So yeah. um, I think they're doing a really good job. Um, they're doing a much better job than they have over the last 10 years in recruiting. Well, I, it's my opinion that the, the best thing they could the, – the way they could improve the most next season would be to develop their, long, their, their downfield passing game. Yep. And I'm disappointed that Dixon and Elsie, who are – the best two receivers they have coming in, and really maybe the two best, if not the two best, at least by a, at the position, they've really improved the position at wide receiver. But the problem is those guys are not here uh, this semester, and they won't be here till the fall, so they'll be slow developing, I suppose. Your, your thoughts on that? Well, the other thought on that, Lauren, is they got a, a redshirt freshman class, sophomore class, that was pretty dang pretty decent, pretty good. Uh, Ian Pugh needed a year in the strength and conditioning program. He got it. Now we'll see if he can improve. He's 6'3". He's got some speed. He can make plays downfield. Ashton Hollins is a really raw guy. I don't know if he's going to make an impact this year, but six foot four, really lanky, really fast. Uh, Sean Miller, who they expected to be in the rotation last year, missed last year due to injury. Uh, he's kind of had a year lost due to injury, but he's been in the system. He has had a year to mature. Then Hank Beatty's a part of that, too. But they did get Kanari Wiltshire. I don't want to overlook him because 
I'm a huge fan of LZ. I think Dixon might be a little underranked. But Kenari Wilcher was one of the most productive wide receivers in Florida. And he's mm-hmm. got burner speed. So uh, I don't expect him to take Isaiah Williams' job. I think Hank Beatty's going to have a spot in the rotation. But you're just talking about a guy who can kind of take the top off the defense. He can potentially be that in a small role this year. So, yeah, I mean, they still got some unproven guys. I think Pat Bryant can take a step forward. But just for the long term, I think that, that wide receiver room uh, is getting far more talented. Like they're, they're, they're one of the most wide re- productive wide receivers out of Florida this year, one of the most productive wide receivers out of Ohio. Those are pre- two pretty good states to play in football. Then you got the top kid out of Chicago and Malik Elzey, and a kid that I think can uh, potentially make an early impact. And that's, that's a position I think you can make an early impact at, Lauren. I, I know mm-hmm. you'd like to get them here in the spring. Can't get all those guys, but they got about half the class here yep. uh, in the spring. So I, I do think that's a, a position those guys could make an early impact. Jeremy, tell the listeners how they can follow what you and your guys are working on as far as fighting Illini sports go. Yeah, we uh, caught up with Barry Lonnie and Bart Miller over the last week. They can check all that out at, at Illini Inquirer if you want some more uh, football information. I kind of broke down my, my thoughts in depth on the uh, Illini class, both the, the positives and the, the concerns moving forward. So they can check that out at IlliniInquirer.com. Always good to talk to you. We'll see you in a couple of hours. Thanks, guys. You bet. Jeremy Thanks, Warner Jeremy. with us from Illini Inquirer. At 9.31, we'll take a break at this point. Feel free to join us if you'd like on Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. We're back after this. Welcome back to the show. Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. It is 9.33 with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, as usual, with you until 11 o'clock, right ahead of our Fighting Illini game day coverage, which begins at 11 in front of the uh, 1 o'clock game today, Illinois and Rutgers. We welcome to the program Ed Hightower, former Big Ten and NCAA official, who is now working with the uh, Big Ten. Dr. Hightower, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Steve, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing up in the Champaign area? We're good. We hear you're heading our way. You're going to be here for the Rutgers game today, correct? I will be. I'm driving that way right now. Tell us about uh, your role as special advisor for basketball officiating uh, in the Big Ten. What does that entail? Uh, Thank you, uh, Steve. Uh, Last year, uh, Commissioner Warren um, hired me to come in and do a complete uh, assessment, evaluation of the overall officiating program for programs for men and women basketball. And uh, I spent an enormous amount of time last year traveling to both women and men games, watching both on TV, making recommendations to uh, the commissioner. uh, And uh, most of those uh, recommendations were implemented. And what I found this year uh, uh, was that uh, we needed to, uh, the Big Ten is such a, a tough conference uh, and in such a visible conference where every game is uh, played before a national audience and every seat uh, in the Big Ten is practically filled, we needed to move more from a training, uh, inexperienced level of officiating to one of a more veteran-oriented uh, process. And uh, so that was the primary one, uh, primary recommendation that I made. And if you notice this year, uh, we have a lot of uh, national 
veteran officials working. Uh, and at the same time, we have an obligation to continue uh, identifying young officials and uh, blending those officials, those young officials in with uh, our more veteran staff. And it's going to take uh, two to three years to uh, get that done, but uh, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, we, uh, the commissioner hired uh, Terry Weimer, a former Big Ten official, a Final Four official, to head up our officiating staff. Uh, we went out and, uh, and uh, recruited uh, some of the veterans to come in and work this year. But again, uh, we're in transition. And uh, this year, uh, as I said to the commission or at the beginning of uh, the conference season, my job is to go in, talk to the coaches, talk to the ADs, uh, talk to the officials, and just make sure that uh, we're trying to hit that sweet spot as far as uh, uh, the game itself. And uh, I, I think at times we, we, we get there. We're not there yet. Uh, you know, there we've had uh, three or four heat cups uh, uh, this year. But, but for the most part, uh, we're getting there. This year in the Big Ten is especially tough. I said to the commissioner uh, at the beginning of the season that this would be one of the toughest conference races uh, that the Big Ten has witnessed in a long time. Because we have some of the top uh, number fives, uh, some of the top number fours, and uh, some great number one players uh, uh, participating across the board. And when you look at, you know, Purdue uh, uh, being at the top, uh, everyone else is uh, uh, right there together in that middle. And that just makes for a tremendous uh, race. Uh, I was at, uh, you know, the Iowa-Illinois game last weekend, and I tell you what, it was one of the best college games I've witnessed in, in a long time. And it just came down to, you know, one team making a couple more shots, and that's how the league is this year. So, you know, my job uh, now that we have made that transition is to continue trying to work with the commissioner's office working with Terry Weimer to get us to a level where uh, we have the type of product, we put the type of product on the floor that's uh, comparable to the uh, level of play that we have in the Big Ten. Excuse me, Ed, this is Lauren. Uh, this is not my idea, but I hear people complain, well, we should have full-time officials. You know, we should have guys that, you know, don't have other jobs. Well, all of them have other jobs, and officiating isn't, isn't year-round either. So what's your, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, I, don't, I don't agree with the full-time job, uh, Lauren. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I had an opportunity. I'm going to just use myself as an example. I was offered a full-time contract on two different occasions to work NBA basketball. I had no interest in working NBA basketball because my love was education. Uh, I, I, you know, I put in all of the time to get uh, a degree in education. I loved working with kids, and that was my uh, my job. 
but Lauren, I, I, I tell you, uh, the problem that we, we're, we're seeing, and this is something that we're going to have to address, is, uh, and I worked, uh, I, I worked uh, a load of games as well, but with the travel like it is today, mm. uh, you just can't get to the various sites very readily now with the reduction in uh, flights. Uh, and with the cancellations, you, we saw what happened with uh, with uh, Southwest and some of the other major airlines in recent months. Uh, with this crazy weather that we're having, uh, this is an area that we're going to have to address in some way, shape, or form as far as uh, officials and their workload. Uh, you just can't get to some of these sites. And uh, what uh, uh, Commissioner Warren, uh, I mean, I, he is on top of it. And unfortunately, he's going to, you know, leave the Big Ten and, uh, and take a new job with Chicago Bears. The guy is on top of these kinds of issues. And what uh, he has done, he is saying that uh, we needed to raise the uh, fees officials and try and hold them a little bit more accountable as far as their workload. So those are the kinds of things that we're going to have to address going forward. But just to say that, uh, you know, make them full-time officials, that's not going to get it done. Well, Ed, you know, I, I, all my life I've been, it seems like all my life I've been concerned about post-displacement. That's Centers yep. backing down centers, or let's say a picket from Penn State can dribble and back down a defender. I, I'm never satisfied with how that's called, and 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 I, I just it seems to me that you're you're allowing things to happen in there that that shouldn't. But uh, there again, uh, it's that's just my view of it. What what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, uh, I I had a really good conversation. It was a matter of fact, it was last weekend in Iowa. And I go in and I will today. I'll go in and speak to the coaches. Uh, I talk to the athletic directors from time to time just to get their feel for what is happening. And you know, Coach Underwood, uh, he, he he brought up something last week to me that even I was unaware. He says, you know, Ed, we've got to change this rule on. Uh, uh, and, he, and, and, again, he was not singling out any particular player, and I won't do that uh, mm-hmm. at all. You know I wouldn't do that. He was just talking about the game in general. He says when a, when a, when a post player with the ball can stay in that, in that lane for 10 seconds, and we know, Lauren, uh, we've been around the game for a long time, with the rule being as it is, as long as you have that ball and you're making forward progress toward the basket, you can stay in there for 20 minutes. Right. Okay? Right. But the moment you throw that ball out, now it's a three-second. Uh, you know, he says, Ed, we've got to do something about that offensive uh, player with the ball being able to stay in the lane as long as, uh, as uh, he's allowed. And, and you know, he makes a very, very good point there. So uh, that is one thing that I, 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 I told him that, uh, that uh, I agree with him because it had, never, it had never stuck with me like he explained it to me the other day. And he says this is happening across the country. And he's got a very good point there. So this is one thing that I will definitely be 
uh, recommending uh, to uh, the powers to be that uh, we need to take a look at. But, you, you know, Lauren, we have talked over the years, you and I, about, you know, we need to we need to make the three second lane bigger. That's number one, because the players are so much larger now. They're so fast, so much faster than they used to be. They're more agile until and we have not done anything with two things. We have not done anything with the lane. No, we've not done anything uh, with the uh, with the ten uh, foot uh, basket. So you know, those are two areas I doubt we're going to do anything there. But we're going to have to do something with that offensive player uh, spending as much time in that three second lane as uh, he or he or she uh, is allowed to. Talking uh, with Ed Hightower, a couple of more minutes with Ed, who uh, refereed 36 years, including. 12 Final Fours. You did a lot of ball games in uh, the Assembly Hall, now known as the State Farm Center. Any memories of working uh, in Champaign uh, come back to you when you uh, come to town? Oh, yeah. You know, I, well, first of all, I, I had some great uh, memories uh, at Champaign. Uh, you know, uh, I grew up here uh, in Illinois. Uh, I, was, uh, I started uh, my professional education career in Alton, Spent a lot of years there and then uh, went over to Edwardsville as superintendent of schools there. But uh, so, you know, Illinois, uh, when you're in the Edwardsville-Alton area, that's Illinois territory. And uh, I was reminded a lot uh, when I refereed uh, games at <laughs> Illinois. Hightower, you blew that call. Uh, you, you, you didn't give Illinois a fair shake, uh, what have you. So, you know, I used to get that a lot. But I'm going to tell you, the biggest thing I've noticed is the, uh, the renovation of, uh, of, the, uh, of the Assembly Hall. I, it's not the Assembly Hall anymore, but, man, that is gorgeous now. The work that, uh, that the athletic department uh, has done there is just simply incredible. So great memories there. So I always enjoy it. Uh, Ed, I... I always uh, wonder about the the time we take with reviews. Are you satisfied with how that is taking place? Should we have any limitations on reviews, or should we have more reviews? It seems like. No. Go ahead. Uh, two things, Sir Lon, uh, and I think you can tell from how I answered that. I I think we take too long too long with the interview uh, with the uh, reviews. The bottom line here: if we can't get it uh, figured out in 30 seconds and let's move on. Uh, that's number one. Uh, when we look at the angles uh, and, and we need to move even greater to uh, having you, the people doing the TV, they should know the type of reviews that we're going to be looking at when we come over there. They're watching the games just like we are. So pull up those reviews and have them ready. And if you can't figure it out, and uh, 30 seconds, let's move on. However, I am going to say in the last uh, two minutes, uh, we should be allowed to look at any situation that interferes or affects the outcome of the game. And I'll go to the sideline play uh, with Ohio State and Rutgers when the uh, player stepped out on the sideline there. Any time that it's going to impact the game, uh, we should be allowed to 
uh, take care of that. And, Lauren, if you recall, um, uh, you know, we used to talk about that even before we got to checking in the last two minutes. Uh, and when it, it, they didn't make that change until Illinois lost that game in the tournament on that out-of-bounds play, right. if you recall. Yes. Yeah. So it's those kinds of things that, you know, come on, do what's right uh, for the game. It's not about who's right, but what's right. Ed, we appreciate your time. I look forward to seeing you at the State Farm Center. Thanks for spending some time with us. It's always a pleasure. And, Lauren, we've done this for years, and it's always been a pleasure. Uh, You're the best. Yeah, Jim Turpin really enjoyed uh, talking to you all those years, and and, uh, you've helped us an awful lot uh, during that time to understand uh, what a really tough job that you got, that all the officials, you're going to, you know, I can tell you that the three officials will will catch heck in that game today, just just like they always do, and and, uh, people will say, well, you know, they're they're prejudiced against Illinois, (laughs) but if we, you know, it, it it's just the way it is. It's the way it is, and where we want to get to, you know, it, uh, just call the same game on both ends of the floor. That's number one. Number two, uh, make sure if you're going to put a, you know, and every player is a quality player, but we know who the stars are. Make sure that uh, it's a good foul and so on. And, uh and listen to the coaches to a point because you're not always right. But then after you listen to them, you put that stop sign up and say, we need to move on. Control the game. That's, it would be a very tough, competitive game today. That's, Thanks, Ed. That's Ed Hightower. Thank you very much, Ed. Thanks, guys. Bye now. You bet. 9.50 is the time. We'll take a break. Have a little open line till the uh, top of the hour if you'd like to join us. Coming up in hour number two, we've got uh, Joe Hendrickson talking some high school basketball and then Mike Small at 1030 talking about the start of the spring golf season. Back with more after this. Hey, it's Colin Likas from the News Gazette. Monday night, we take an in-depth look at area high school hoops. It's Prep Basketball Confidential right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number if you'd like to jump in. A lot of fellow Saturday sports talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly with you until eleven. It's nine fifty-two right now. Thanks to uh, Jeremy Werner and Ed Hightower, our first-hour guests on the show. We'd love to hear from you if you have some thoughts on anything going on in the Lionel sports, including this uh, big game today, Illinois and Rutgers, one o'clock. At the State Farm Center, we're anticipating a defensive struggle in this contest. Watch them put up 80 points apiece, huh? A rock fight. A rock fight. <laughs> <laughs> or a, a fight in the uh, Hardee's or Arby's uh, parking lot or whatever Brad Underwood uh, used to do as a kid. But uh, it should be a good ball game. And they've got some guys. You know, they got Mokehi, who it seems like he's been there forever. He's one of those guys you you'd hate unless he was on your team, right? He, he's a scrappy player. And, uh, yeah, I think he, he was char- – I don't know if, I, if if the right word is charged, but he's accused of tripping uh, Jackson Davis in the last game. I guess he tripped him, but the oh, question tri- is, did he do it intentionally? Well, I think he did. If you saw the video, <laughs> he uh, definitely stuck his foot up, a foot out. Illinois listed as a five-and-a-half-point favorite in the ball game today, which tips off shortly after 1 o'clock at the State Farm Center. 
our uh, pregame coverage gets underway right after this show. So this is kind of the pregame to the pregame for uh, today's coverage of Illinois basketball. Brad Underwood uh, talked uh, the other day, yesterday actually, about what it's going to take and what his team needs to uh, do differently. And not surprisingly, he talked about uh, not making so many fouls. No hands. And, and, you know, you've got to play through your chest. And, and uh, you know, it's again, it's you know, we committed 11 fouls in the second half where we were between the ball and the basket directly. And we just put our hands on guys. And we've had the tennis balls out this week, try not to use our hands and and and, and really focus on that. Uh, you know, so many of them were just needless, needless fouls. And again, it goes back to reiterating our principles. You know, we tough twos. And uh, you know, we're okay with that. That's what we're giving people. But, um, you know, we, we got to do it without fouling. You can't put put a guy to the line 16 times. That's That's recipe for failure. It's interesting, you know, they had the same problem back there in the Northwestern game, just foul, foul, foul. And then they got it corrected for a while. And then, of course, they reverted. And I keep saying, Steve, that when you have a team that's one of the top three, four, five in the nation in shot blocking, there's that's going to be in the forefront of players' minds. And when you have that in, in when you're thinking about blocking shots, you're going to commit yourself and you're going to foul sometimes when you ordinarily wouldn't. I think a lot of people thought uh, that uh, we would have seen uh, Luke Goody uh, if that Minnesota game would have been played mm-hmm. earlier this week. And the uh, question is, do we see him today? Brad Underwood talked a little bit about that. Luke's a, he's a connector. He's a communicator. He's, he's active that way. Uh, he's a guy that wants to, is uh, uh, a natural leader. Uh, so it's just the energy he brings. Uh, every single day to practice has been, has been a shot in the arm. And, uh, you know, we know he's a terrific shooter and a really good player. And, you know, it's just, you know, the the first two days he made a lot of balls. You know, then now you get a little wear and tear on your body and you get a little fatigue and you find the conditioning and, and you know, maybe some tired legs. And, uh, you know, he's had to play through that. So you know, there's a reason I say it all the time. They send guys down to play and get the feel for 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 the ball again in the game and he unfortunately doesn't have that he's having to do that in practice but uh he's been really good and he's been on the court a lot uh, in practice as uh, coach underwood mentioned there but that that's different than being in the game so it would be good to see if he does get in today yeah i think he's going to get in probably in short spurts and you know we reached that point where if you're going to you know, if he's going to play, you need to play him. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's losing an entire year of eligibility for just a few games here. And, and so if you're going to use him, use him. We're down to the last seven or eight games in the regular season before yeah. the start of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, now will be a good time. Let's uh, go to the phones here at 957. John and Rantoul. Hey, John, what's on your mind? Hey, Steve and Lauren. Uh, I had just the three, three things, uh, carrying the ball, palming the ball. And then uh, big guys bumping into each other inside, which is a should be a double foul. And uh, and when somebody goes to block a shot, they block the shot, and then they just bust right into the the offensive guy that shot the shot. You know, if they're going in for a layup, they don't do that on three pointer. You go into the guy after he shoots a three pointer. It's a foul, right? So mm-hmm. just your thoughts on those three things, if if you have time. Well, I think you just have to use judgment on the thing. You don't want to. You don't want to turn this game into a free throw contest if you can help it. So you have well. to. You, I mean, well, you don't. I mean, and, and uh, I, I think that uh, the contact 
there's always going to be brush contact. Every time there's the rebound, every single time there's a rebound, there's going to be contact. So you just don't want to, you, you've got to just use judgment. That's all I'm saying. No, Lauren, I'm talking about when the big guy's in there trying to get to the basket. They, they, the first thing they do, boom, 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 they're yeah. bumping into each other. Well, so, I, I think yeah. when you're not allowed under the rules to displace a defender. Displace means to bump him and move him. You're not yeah. allowed to do that, and they do it constantly. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't like that, but it, that's the way it's called. And it's, it's the way it's been called for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years. I mean, it's been that way yeah. as long as I can remember. And, of course, we remember the North Carolina game where May just back, 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 back oh, yeah. down. And yeah. and that yeah. was and and we knew they and we knew he's going to do it. He'd been doing it all season, and he finished the season doing it. And the officials yeah. just don't call that. Yeah, and and you you know how it used to be when you dribbled above your waist, you were carrying the ball or palming it or whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, you can. Yeah. yeah, you can. You can let the ball bounce up, but you you've got to keep your hand right. on top. They don't. Right. Really, yeah. They don't really care no, they, about that. But my yeah. my constant uh, reminder on the, the on the displacement is if you put the Statue of Liberty in the lane and a player <laughs> bumped her, it'd be a foul on her. <laughs> That's all I'm telling you. That's what they'd call. They'd say, well, you, you know, you, you fouled. And she didn't move. Does she right. foul out quite a bit? Yeah. She <laughs> fouled out every game. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy. Even after a block, they, and they go into him with their body after they block the shot. Oh, good block! Everybody's saying good block. Yeah. And it, look what they did after he shot it. You know, mm-hmm. and knocked him right to the ground. Yeah. But anyway. Okay, John. Thanks. So, all right. Thank you. They could probably call a foul on on every play, and sometimes it seems like they're doing that anyway. Well, that's right. Yeah. That's like it's like holding in football. Yeah, exactly. You can call every every single time, but. It is ten o'clock. WDWS Champaign Urbana. Hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is coming up. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hour number two of the show, heading towards 11 o'clock. Our Fighting Illini game day coverage begins at 11. Illinois basketball this afternoon at 1 o'clock at the State Farm Center against Rutgers, ranked number 24 in the AP poll this week. Going to talk some high school basketball in just a moment with Joe Hendrickson. But uh, Mark is calling in from Jacksonville with... uh, a comment on officiating that, that we were talking about uh, just before the last break. Mark, go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, one of the calls that just drives me nuts, there's a couple that I want to talk about, but uh, when they call it late, I see a lot of times in college basketball, and I've seen it recently, where they wait to see if the ball goes in, and then the whistle blows. I'm like, wait a minute. The foul was 30 seconds ago, and you're just now blowing a whistle. <laughs> well, that is the call that everybody should have. Yeah, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> 30 yeah, seconds. it's a little bit of an exaggeration. It might be one second, but it's not late. 30. <laughs> uh, it's more than one. It, you know, I've seen it called, you know, the ball bounce around on the rim and then not fall in. They call foul. 
uh, who cares if the ball goes in? It's either a foul or it's not. You know, don't let the ball going in determine whether or not it was a foul. I don't think it does, but I uh, I accept your opinion on it, but I I disagree with you. Well, okay, that's fine, but I've seen it many, many times. I've seen Uh, the same games you have. (laughs) And the other thing I hate is I'm the opposite of most people. You know, most people want every uh, foul call, every little touch call. I don't. I hate that. I hate ticky-tack fouls. You take the game away from the players. If every time they breathe on somebody it's a foul, then you can't really play. It's tough to play a game that is physical. It shouldn't be, you know, violent, but it should be physical. It is physical. It's more fun to play it when it's physical. You know what's interesting to me but, is you set a pick and a guy runs into you full blast and falls to the court, knocked, practically knocked out, it's nothing. It's no call. That's right. <laughs> they had to give the guy smelling salts <laughs> to bring him around, but there's no call. Well, anyway, but, we're we're never anyway, going to solve the officiating. What I hate. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Appreciate the call, Joe Hendrickson, with us. Hey, Joe, how are you this morning? Good morning, Steve and Lauren. How you guys doing? Hey, Joe, how are you getting along with the officials? <laughs> <laughs> I love them. <laughs> <laughs> all I know, all I know is it's a hard job. I mean, you the, the higher level you go, it's, it's it, it is a it is a tough job. And if you think college officiating is bad, try some high school officiating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I bet that's right. They're hard to find. What what's the answer to that? I mean, how, how do you get through that problem? How do you get more young people interested? I'm not sure. If I was a young person uh, hearing a lot of the stuff coming from the crowd, that I'd be interested in doing that either. But uh, the oh, people must be thinking about them. There's a shortage of them. It's a uh, it's a big issue, especially up in the Chicago area, where there are so many schools. They've had to move games, <clears throat> you know, off of Friday nights because of the shortage, and play a lot more weeknight games on really? Thursday nights hmm. and Wednesday nights because they just don't have enough officials to go around. And, you know, when you have a lack of, you know, what it comes down to is that the job sucks. I mean, <laughs> why, why do you want to go do it for, for the money that you're getting and the travel you got to go do? I mean, it used to be an enjoyment part of it for a lot of them. And uh, it, it, almost a hobby and a second little job. And now it's you're going to go through those headaches? No thanks. So when you have a shortage of them, you're going to have fewer good ones. And that's just inevitable when you have a shortage of anything. Joe, clear something up for us. Lauren and I were talking during the break about how long uh, you two guys have been talking on the radio. Lauren's memory is not what it used to be. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? (laughs) How how far back do you think uh, you go in uh, talking on the radio with Lauren Tate? Well, I I start – Lauren, this is funny. I I just talked about you to somebody else this week about you uh, (laughs) because – and I started my hoops report at a lower level – what I was doing back in the mid the mid to late nineties, and I've been talking to Lauren since the early two thousands. I know that. Oh, uh, my first, it goes further uh, than that, doesn't it? No, no, I'm talking about on the radio. Um, okay, and, and doing because we sat. I still remember this. You and I sat together at a in a. I got a recollection of memory like basketball. 1998. You and I sat together at Hinsdale Central at a. Super sectional or a sectional final? I think it was a super sectional watching Corey McGetty play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so it goes back into the 90s for sure. 
Um, and then a funny Lauren Tate story, uh, and I don't remember the year, but I, I, I got to Hawaii for a Maui Invitational. You bet. I, I remember that. first Maui Invite. It was early in the morning. I did a weird flight. I got there early. You're all, you know, excited to be there. I walk out of my hotel down to the beach, mm-hmm. and then there's Lauren. It's basically me and Lauren, the only people on the beach at 7:30 in the morning uh, in Hawaii right. and Maui. Exactly so, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's been a long time, and um, I've learned a lot from Lauren over the years. No question about it. Well, if you could remember all that kind of stuff, I'm. I hope that you remember your appropriate anniversaries and birthdays and such in your family. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my wife will uh, remind me that I'm better at some other things than that, yeah. <laughs> Boy, where is the high school basketball season gone? We're down to the, the final week or two before we start thinking about uh, teams uh, playing with the uh, hopes of getting to Champaign-Urbana. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting to get, you get back to Champaign. And it's a lot different than last year. Last year... The whole season revolved around one team, Glenbard West. They rolled through everybody. They were the talk of the state. They went down to Champaign, dominated, winning the state title. Uh, this year it's wide open. It's completely different. There's a huge game today up here, Chicago Public League final, great history tradition, 100-plus years of playing the game. Simeon and Kenwood, Robert Smith, you know, iconic head coach, in his final season, going to be going for his eight-city title they play this afternoon at UIC, so that kind of sets the tone for what's to come here with the regional and sectional games. But, yeah, it's very wide open, 4A and 3A, uh, and I think it's going to be a lot more entertaining, a lot more fun than last year. The level of teams is higher than a year ago. I thought last year, while Glenbard West was off the charts good, uh, the competition they were playing and who they were facing did not match up to other years historically, nor does it match up to what the the quality of teams that we have this year. Well, tell us about, um, as far as individuals are concerned, anybody jumped out at you that you didn't expect, you know, during the course of the season? Well, I think, you know, staying kind of local for you guys to, to a degree is, is Cole Serdicate at Bloomington Central Catholic. Illinois has obviously been involved with him. He's a six four six five junior. I think he's the best shooter in the state right now. Uh, I, you know, I – really liked him this summer i thought he had a chance to kind of parlay that into a a bigger season playing against you know lesser foes in small school basketball in central illinois and he's done that but he's also picked up the interest of college coaches you know with some big 10 offers penn state illinois northwestern and to me he's just kind of elevated himself in terms of stature of who he is as a prospect i I, you know that's the only qualm i'll have is you look at him and you're like is this is this the kid that's going to be at a high major Big Ten school in two years because of his, his, his body and frame and, and, and a little bit frail? But that's coming along. He was maturing. So he, he's one player that, you know, Illinois has been involved with. Um, you know, I, I just think, you know, there's some, there's some mid-level, mid-major kids who I think have really stepped up um, around the state that kind of solidified themselves in that regard, too. You know, when we talked before, there was a concern that a lot of the top players were leaving the state, and I know you kept track of that for a while. Is that still taking place? Are we are we still losing players to IMG and places like that? You know, there's already talk of a player or two that I've heard. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not going to end, Lauren. It's just just like the portal's not going to end, and the NIL's not going to change, and the 
the transfers I don't think are going to change. You know, I, the biggest concern I have with high school basketball in Illinois is specifically the Chicago Public League. Lauren, you've been doing this, and we've been doing this enough to know the surplus of players that Illinois in particular has feasted on for decades and decades of making trips up there and recruiting. And it is, in, I, I think it's in dire. It, it's just the, the, the talent level, the depth in the city, and the quality of teams. There's really now only four, five really good programs in the city of Chicago. And that, you know, the, the, those, those names that you guys have heard in the past from, you know, whether it be Westinghouse or Crane or Farragut or North Lawndale or Bogan or they're all Marshall or, I mean, I go on and on. They're non-existent as basketball programs today. Mm. Um, they just, it is basically Simeon, Young, Kenwood, Curie, and maybe like a Hyde Park is floating around. But it's four mega powers, and that's it. Um, and Robert Smith leaving Simeon, uh, that program, if you look at their roster and what's in that building, I don't, you know, transfers can always happen, but that Simeon team going forward is nothing of that even comes resembles a Simeon team for the last 30 years going into next year. So, it is uh, a, a big concern of mine uh, of the talent level that is no longer in the city of Chicago. Was, uh, what's the reason for that? I mean, uh, is it because uh, players part of those transfers? Can they, well, can they just can you just transfer anywhere you want to go? I mean, in Chicago, well, is that I, 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 the next part that I'm going to get to is the Chicago Catholic League. While the public league has hit in some hard times overall talent, the Catholic League has really been propped up because of it. And, you know, so that's a, you know, it kind of helps even it out a little bit from a talent perspective, you know, like a St. Rita right now. I mean, you've got, think about it, guys. We've got a guy, guys at St. Rita who are going to North Carolina, Illinois, and Iowa State. Uh, and they're in the Chicago Catholic League. So, you know, you go up and down the Catholic League now, the, the, you know, from Mount Carmel to Brother Rice to uh, DePaul Prep, these are schools that, you know, <laughs> this is the, the deepest, most talented the Chicago Catholic League has ever been. Hmm. Talking to Joe Hendrickson, let's take a call for Joe. Steve in Princeton, you're on. Go ahead. Hey, Joe, I just got an opinion on you, but I've seen Ty Pence at St. Joe Ogden play and Serta at Bloomington Central Catholic, and I'll take Ty Pence every day of the week. I don't know what your opinion is on that. I, I, Ty Pence has had a fantastic senior year. You got to remember they are, you know, two different ages. Um, you know, Pence is a senior. I think Ty Pence, my opinion is he picked the exact perfect level and a great spot with Ryan Peden at Illinois State. Um, you know, they're two different players in two different positions, really. I know they play similar in high school, but projecting them out, they are not the exact same player, projecting them going forward. Uh, Cole Serta is a, is a better shooter. Uh, they're similar. Ty Pence is a stronger, more sturdy player right now. Uh, but I, I just like Cole Serta's upside. So. Okay, we'll see. Time will tell. But like I said, I'll take Ty Pence and uh, we'll go to the races. All right, Steve. <laughs> All thanks right. for the call. Uh, Joe, speaking of guys named Ty, I know you're a big fan of Ty Rogers, and uh, he's coming on for the Fighting Illini. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting to, I mean, my concerns that 
would, would prevent him from getting on the floor. Um, kind of, I think, kind of reared its ugly head in terms of just the overall polished package offensively. Uh, it's there. I mean, he, but you know, I thought maybe more of that toughness and defense and rebounding would get him on the floor a little earlier uh, with this group. But it, guys, it's just so hard for freshmen to play it, 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 in today's college basketball world if you want to win. And that's basically what it came down to. They got to get their feet wet. Illinois has gone, you know, heavy with freshmen this year, and I, I think people have underestimated, you know, Illinois's success or wherever they want to call their where they're at right now. I mean, I, they're a bona fide, you know, bubble top twenty-five team would probably get in if they win this today. I, I just think people have underestimated how difficult it is to play major minutes with freshmen. And there's few teams, you know, it's different when you're playing. I mean, Duke has some of the highest-ranked freshmen in the country. And look at what those freshmen are doing. Uh, any program that has relied heavily on a freshman, more or less, most of them have floundered. And I, I just think Ty kind of fits that bill in terms of it's hard to kind of push your way in when you've got some veterans and you got to win and you got seniors and you got some guys that, uh, are, are just more advanced, older. You're talking because of the COVID year. You're, a lot of times you're talking 24-year-old guys, you know, against, the, you know, 18, 19-year-olds. Have you seen much of Phoenix Gill, Kendall Gill's son? Yeah, I've seen him a handful of times. He's coming along. You know, he's, uh, I would not, um, you know, that, 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 that this is the one thing in Illinois that, you know, I talk about the, the city, the other thing is the amount of guys, when you evaluate them as young players, uh, a couple of things. One, you see a kid, you're like, okay, that kid's an absolute no-brainer. He's going to be a Division One player at a very early age. There's other guys you see, and you're like, okay, that kid is a no-brainer, no doubt about it, high-major player. You see a Corey McGetty early on as a freshman. You see a Derrick Rose. You see a Jalen Brunson. You see those types of kids. You see them one or two times, and you're – as a freshman and sophomore, like they're special. That's a high major. Uh, Phoenix has not reached that that level. He is not a no-brainer high major in my view right now. It's uh, not to say he can't get there. That doesn't mean he's not going to be a high major. What is he? He's uh, just he's a, a sophomore, sophomore, right? Yeah, he's just a sophomore. So you know, he he's he's doesn't he's maturing physically. Not quite the athlete that Kendall was, um, but you know, he's had a nice season. He's coming along. He's he's put up some decent numbers and. Uh, you know, he's he's a bona fide Division One kid right now who's inching his way up in that class. He's still a top, you know, without question, a top six, seven player in that class. Including juniors, who will be player of the year this year in the state? Well, I think it's probably going to end up being Jeremy Fears, uh, Jr., okay. Julia West. He's had some big games and big moments. Um they're gonna they're they're gonna make a deep run. I think they'll play, which I think is gonna be the best super sectional game. If if Lauren, you got nothing to do that Tuesday night, or I think they play on Monday night now. They changed the schedule around. Um, it, it, they'll be played Juliet West, uh, Jeremy Fears Jr. against Moline and Brock Harding at Redbird Arena in a super sectional game, which I think will be fantastic. Brock Harding. I'm not saying he's the best player in the state of Illinois. He's going to Iowa. I just think he's the most fun, entertaining player. Uh, I, I just love this 5'11 point guard at Moline and how he plays. And, 
He's just uh, a table setting, plays with so much juice and confidence. Uh, I, I, I love the kid. And him matched up with Jeremy Fierce Jr., who plays with a bravado that, uh, well, sometimes even rubs some fans the wrong way. Uh, uh, it, w- it would be a special, special game in March. Look forward to that. I think I might make that. that thanks for reminding me about it. Hey, uh, Joe, you got something else? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Joe, great to talk to you. Yeah, no, anytime, guys. It's good catching up, and uh, you get closer down, you know, playing in Champaign. Give me a call. We'll talk again. We'll okay, do it. We'll Thank do you. It. Joe Henriksen from City Suburban Hoops Report and Chicago Sun-Times at 1020. Rich has been hanging on uh, the phone for a little bit. Uh, go ahead, Rich. You're on the air with us. I got a question. It used to be when I was in high school, everybody at a home game would wear white, and the visitors would wear whatever their color was. And anymore, that doesn't seem to hold true. And I just wondered if that was a rule or just a custom. Well, and but, if, it, if it was a rule, when did it change? I, I, that, I, I know this is the same thing. I mean, I, for years it was that way, but I don't think it was a rule necessarily. I was agreement between the two mm-hmm. teams as to what they'd wear, and the home team would usually have a preference and say, well, we'll wear, we'll wear white, but that's not true anymore. Yeah, and well, when you go when you go play another school, how do you know which uniforms to take? Well, you know, well they, they decide beforehand. Yeah, the home team has a choice yeah. of what they want to wear, and they tell the opposing team what uh, they're going to wear. Okay, there's nothing in the rules then that you have to wear white at home. No, oh no. Okay. Yeah, I can It seems to me like a lot of these schools have have uh, lost their. Uh, Identity, you know, like Illinois is orange and blue, but you never know what's, what, what color they're going to come out in. That could mess you up if you're watching a game uh, and you expect to see the home team wearing white and yeah, uh, yeah. And, yeah. They're, and they're not. They're yeah, if you watch or, on TV, it, it'll mess you up, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's my big problem on TV because I can't read the screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rich. Tell, yeah. can't tell which team's which. Hey, thanks. Yeah, appreciate that. It is 10.22. We'll take a break and be back with more. Phone line is open if you want to join us. Stay with us. Illini family, this is Illinois women's basketball coach Shauna Green. We're on the road tomorrow night. Listen in on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. That game is tomorrow afternoon at noon at Maryland, ranked number eight in the country for the Illini women's basketball team. Big Ten's really got good, hasn't it? It really I has. Mean, Illinois has got the best team in years, and yet they're, they're still five or six teams that are they're really hard to beat. They had a record crowd at uh, Assembly Hall in Indiana for that uh, Indiana-Iowa women's game, and a record Big Ten TV audience on uh, the same game. Yeah, 325,000 watched it uh, on TV. and 13,000? 13,000 in, in the building. In the building. And that game was for... Um, First place, Indiana's number two in the country at 22 and 23 and one now. And uh, Iowa is second in the Big Ten at 11 and two, and Indiana's 13 and one. Fighting Illini women's team is sixth at nine and five ahead of that I game. I still remember Illinois had a one point lead on Indiana in the final minute. At Indiana. At Indiana, yes, sir. That was yeah. a close one. Let's go back to the phones 217 356. 9397, Eric in Champaign. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. I just wanted to share. I was at the um, 
Purdue Iowa game the other night in West Lafayette, and yeah. just it, it amazes me that that arena is just set up in such a way where it's it's not much smaller capacity wise than State Farm Center, but man, is it loud and and you're right on top of the court. I mean, I know you've probably been there recently, Laura. It's incredible. It's, a, it's the most incredible uh, situation. It's the most incredible atmosphere I've ever seen in a college basketball yes. game. Two years ago, or was it last year? I can't remember when did I go, Steve. The last time I went over I've been over there, there with you many times. Well, I know, but I just went in the last year or two. I, I, I think it was last season. I, I was just stunned at, at, the, at the way that the fans uh, participate in there and, and how close they are and how they affect the game. It, it really is impressive. And, and the thing I was amazed by, too, is they were up 17 at half, and Zach Eady had four points. That guy impacts the game more by not scoring than anybody else because they had three guys going to him. When he touches the ball, he throws it out, and they're hitting open threes or getting layups or, or whatever. He's really – I mean, if they, if they manage that properly, they should never really lose games. You know yeah, what I mean? He's it's a really like, good passer, and, and he's yeah. got the, – the great thing is a lawyer, and, and they have some good shooters. And mm-hmm. the, the freshmen, the two freshmen are playing I, – I, I kidded somebody the other day. I said, you know, it's – it's interesting, this team, they've got Edie, and you can put any four people around. You've got two freshmen and two other guys you don't remember their names. Right. <laughs> it's just <laughs> – but uh, he, he changes everything for you. Absolutely. And, and, it's, and I was wondering about his NBA prospects. Are they not – is he not another one of those guys that doesn't really have a future right now in the NBA? Boy, oh, boy, Edie? that's a good question. I don't think he probably does, but uh, what do you think, Steve? I think he does – I don't think he's going to be a superstar at that league, but I think there's a roster spot because I I felt the same way about Kofi. I thought there was a roster spot somewhere among 30 teams or so that uh, he could use a guy like that. But uh, Edie does so many more things. Now, I hear so much, and, and I can't remember everything. Did I hear that, a, that an NBA team made 16 threes and a half? Did Maybe. The, oh, yeah. the Celtics, I mean – just, just think of that. I mean, that's what the game has turned into, and I, and maybe I dreamed that. But I mean, nevertheless, there are a lot of threes being shot, and and the guys that are you know postmen are just not very valuable. They want five Absolutely. guys that can shoot. Yeah. Well, you got guys like Milwaukee's a perfect example. You got um, uh, the the Greek Antetokounmpo and um, and the other center. I can't think of his name right now from Stanford, the tall guy. Uh, both of them are shooting threes out there, and it's you never saw that before. You know, seven footers shooting threes like they can, and uh, it's just, it's a totally different game in the NBA than it used to be twenty years ago. That's for sure. Uh, it sure but, is. Anyway, just wanted to share that that experience with Mackie. So have cool. a good show, guys. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate the call. Lauren, a little advice. If you're dreaming about NBA <laughs> three-pointers, uh, you need to uh, reallocate or re uh, well, you uh, pri- prioritize wait, what you dream wait, about. Wait a minute. You can't control what you dream about. <laughs> well, I know, but you gotta have you got to do some uh, – some pre-dream. The great, th- the great thing about dreams is you, you you know you had a dream, but you can't remember what it was about. Well, I, I can remember. I, I woke up this morning dreaming I was late on my way to get a haircut. Oh, well, just so you're not late for the show. <laughs> well, I, I have that dream as well. And I, I have some recurring dreams that um, that come from real-life experiences <laughs> in the broadcast booth. Okay. <laughs> some of the guys that... Know me pretty well. Know some of those things I'm thinking about being uh, at a bowl game and a basketball game going on at the same time, and 
it was uh, one of those deals we tried something new and different and fancy and didn't work too well (laughs) (laughs) and i was the guy that uh, was charged with keeping it going Mm -hmm. it is 10 30 we'll keep this show going after this we'll talk some golf with mike small stay with us we're back in just a moment this is Brian Barnhart. Join me on Monday on A Penny for Your Thoughts, our Monday morning quarterback show presented by Berkey's. Lauren Tate joins me. We'll also be joined by Bruce Weber, Monday. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Moving up on 1033, Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, and I'm Ipella, Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11. We talked some basketball, some Illinois football as well, basketball officiating also. Let's talk some spring golf. Illini golf coach Mike Small is on the line with us from Mobile, Alabama, the site of the uh, season opening event, invitational tournament down there for the Fighting Illini golf team. Smalley, how are you doing this morning? What's the weather like in uh, Mobile? Good morning, Steve. Hope you guys are well. It, uh, we're dodging raindrops today. It's cold and rainy. Hmm. You and I talked uh, earlier this week about that, and uh, yeah, you're going south, but uh, you've done that before where it hasn't always been that nice. Yeah, it's just that time of year, you know, when you're on the Gulf down here, it comes off the water, and that's what it's doing today. It's going to rain most of the day, and then, but this weekend on the, for Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday's events, it should be really nice. It should be in the 60s and sun, which is, I guess, the reason why we come down here, to get some good weather and play some golf, so it's, it's, it's starting. How are you feeling about your team? I saw in one... Uh, rating uh, they've got illinois number five in the country you've got uh, certainly a blend of, of veteran guys with some young guys as well yeah i think if you look at the polls or the coaches polls we're sprinkled anywhere from five to maybe 12 or 13 and i think there's three or four polls that they they rate you in so that's nice we're getting some respect and but we had a good fall we had a good fall and i got a couple of good seniors that are playing really good golf um last fall and even into this winter so you know the the, the hopes are high i think we have a chance to to make some noise but again it's a long spring there's a lot of tournaments there's a lot of ups and downs in this game with emotions and confidence and and the fundamentals that you go through all the time so you know try to establish that uh that groundwork and get some consistency and i think um the other guys on our team are getting better too and they're improving so if we can just solidify uh maybe the fifth and sixth spots that we always talk a lot about um i think we can make some noise maybe come april and may talk about the lineup that you expect to put out there uh coming up on uh, Monday and Tuesday? Well, it's the same, more or less same lineup I had last fall. Um, there's not much we can do in the winter. We've taken a couple of practice trips and kind of got the guys competing and playing against each other, but it, it seems to shake out more or less the same way every time. So we got Adrian uh, dumont Deschassard, who's, I think, top 11 or 12 amateur in the world right now, um, playing number one, obviously. He'll, he'll, he'll be there with Tommy Cool, who they're both in the top, I think, top 10 uh, ranked college players this year and after the you know the season's half over already so um, those guys are kind of anchoring us and then you got uh, Jackson Buchanan the sophomore from Atlanta Georgia who we were high on in recruiting he wasn't a big time recruit by any means but what an athlete and and he's got the aptitude and the skill to really improve and grow and he's done that and he's played as he's played better than anybody this spring so far on our couple practice trips so Jackson's in there and then uh, Matisse Bassard is our, our transfer uh Senior grad transfer from SIU, um, who had a great year last year in, in college golf, and 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 played okay for us this fall. Kind of knocking off the rust and getting used to a different climate and different culture and different uh, way of doing things. And he's playing better. So those four are pretty solid. And then Pearson Hunt is going to play the fifth spot this week. But um, uh, you know he's been playing good, been playing better. But we got some other guys pushing there. So 
it's going to be competitive. I have eight guys this week on the trip, so we're going to use this week to obviously try to win this tournament and continue this momentum, but uh, also kind of establish where our top five or six guys are going to go moving forward when we go to Las Vegas in a couple of weeks. Jerry G is one of those guys that's uh, been around uh, yes. for a while. You've got him playing as an individual. Is that right uh, in the event? Yep. Jerry and Nico Lang and a uh, freshman from Southern California, Ryan Voice, is going to play as a, a, all three uh, kind of unattached this week, which is why we come here. This is a good golf course. It's a, it's, it's a good field, and uh, it, but it, they let us bring some extra players, which is – which is good for programs. You want to kind of build younger players and give them some opportunities and see if they can add to the mix. And that's what those three guys are going to do. And I think they all have the potential to do that. They do. And, uh, you know, we always have a thing on our team. You don't want to try to make the top five. You want to try to be in the number one position. You want to be trying to be the best player in this program and and, uh, set your sights high. So those guys have a chance to compete not only with the other teams from from other conferences, but also against their own guys and show that they can make the lineup. Uh, who uh, who do you face down there that you see as the most competitive for you, opponent? Uh, well, Arkansas is here this week, and obviously they're a good team. They've had some success in the last few years. And, and then Kansas State um, actually is a top 25-rated team this year. They had a re- really good fall. And then there's a lot of the sneaky mid-majors southern schools that are here that, you know, that, uh, that always have seen have good golf programs that um, have been playing a little more than us and have kind of made, maybe a little more informed. But um, I think there's seven or eight teams here that can that can win this thing, and we've had success here in the past. But it's always good for us to come down and kind of knock off the rust against these guys and 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 be pushed. Um, uh, you know, if we play well, we all will have a t- chance to to win. If we don't, we'll get beat up and and uh, and you know, circle the wagons and see what we got to improve for next week. Talking to Illini men's golf coach Mike Small. You've got uh, some events in between, but I know that. Uh, Lord and I are really looking forward to uh, April when you're hosting an event at uh, the Atkins Golf Club. You're not focused too much on that now, but it will be good for area golf fans to get a chance to get over there and see you guys play and some other outstanding teams. Yeah, that's going to be fun, Steve. I, I tell you, we've had, had meetings this week, and uh, Jim um, Jim Buzzy out at uh, Atkins is doing a great job and, and uh, of getting that thing set up, and we're expecting a lot of people to show up and watch. You know, it's something we haven't done for a few years, and the golf course is is new and kind of you know redesigned. Obviously, we've talked a lot about that, but to have the chance to to play in town is something that we've been wanting to do, and the opportunity showed itself. And there's going to be what six or seven Big Ten teams and a couple MAC schools and Loyola Marymount from from California is coming out. So it's going to be a it's going to be a good couple of days. I think April 22 and 23, a lot of golf in those two days, 36, 18, and it's going to get you know, our, I know for sure our guys are excited about it too, of playing in front of their friends and and some people to support us. And um, I'm as curious as anybody to see how the turnout is, but I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. And is this a lead-in to the Big Ten tournament? Yes, the Big Tens, the Big Tens will be the next weekend out in um, out in New Jersey. So that's, that, that's the last of our regular season. I think we have five or six regular season events this spring, and that's the last one of the regular season. You know, a lot of talk about USC and UCLA coming in, and I know the Big Ten meetings are in two weeks, and they're going to discuss about schedules and things. Do you see, is golf one of the sports that just won't be affected much by the changes that are required in terms of scheduling? You're right, Lauren. It won't. It won't be affected at all. I mean, we already see UCLA and USC probably, I'd say, between two and five times a year at different events across the country. Mm-hmm. And conference championships are always com- always competed uh, one week a year, and we'll continue to have that that championship. And those two schools will just come in and add to the 
add to the field, but um, you don't schedule head-to-heads in, in college golf. And like I said, we see those guys at various tournaments, and and um, it's, it's not going to affect our, our sport at all. Well, maybe you could give some suggestions on what they should do about football. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a mess, but I tell you what, it's going to be exciting to see. It's going to be something as, as a fan and a spectator, as a college football fan, just to watch and see how that whole thing evolves. It's going to be pretty cool. You guys had a chance to uh, spend some time with Steve Stricker uh, just a week or two ago down in Florida. He's always a good story. We always uh, enjoy rooting for him, but uh, he's having a heck of a comeback from his troubles of a year or so ago. Yeah, he's he's the best, and uh, he's been really really busy since he's been on all these uh, Ryder Cup teams as a captain, and but really as a player. If you go back to maybe ten, twelve years ago, um, and then the Presidents Cup as well. So he's he's busy. He's playing more golf now than he did when he was in his prime. His girls are competitive. Um, Bobby, his oldest, is a young young touring professional. His younger one, Izzy, is going to be in college here next year. So they're all playing competitive golf and. He's enjoying that, and he's got a little resurgence for golf himself. So it was fun to have him down to come out and play with our guys and see our guys last week when we were in Florida and kind of reconnect because it's been hard to get get to see him. Um, for our big outing we have every fall that he was a part of every year for probably 15 years. It's last few he's been he's had conflict, so it was good to spend time with him. And um, yeah, you know he was sick a year ago, and and uh, he came back from that. And you know he came back what 15 years ago from one of those big major career slumps he had. Right. Of, you know, went to number two in the world. So he's resilient. He's a tough, he's a tough dude, and uh, he just he loves to compete. I tell people all the time, you know, he's regarded as one of the nicest people on the PJ Tour for 25 years. But I know for a fact he's one of the, the most ruthless competitor, and and uh, loves to get after it and mix it up. And he don't, she doesn't show it on the outside, but inside he is just uh, competing. And we saw it last week with our guys. You know, we went out and had a little. Had a little uh, had a little game. Me and Strick were on the same team, and he was competitive against these guys. It was it was it was fun. Uh, explain to me what's happening. First of all, is Stricker going to be uh, playing in the majors? And are there four other events that are going to be special in a, in, a, in a special way uh, by the PGA this year? You know, Lauren, I know you'd ask me something about that, and I'm not that. I'm not that versed on it right now, but uh, I don't think he'll play in the regular majors. He's going to spend okay. more time on the Champions Tour okay. majors. But as the PGA Tour goes, yeah, it's 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 all it's all um, uh, mixed up now with the with with the Live Tour coming in and yeah. causing the PGA Tour to to give some more um, money, bigger events, and right. some more um, you know exclusive events to the top players. So I think you're right. There's I think there's only five or seven events. That they're going to have as as another level above the regular PGA Tour event right. they're going to have, right? And I think some of those LIV players, those live players, are going to be able to play in the majors this year. It sounds like so. It's uh, I think it's going to work itself out eventually, but there is a lot of contention there right now. I know that. I want to go back to what you said about you and Stricker being on the same team. Is that is that something as head coach that you you take care of and picking the teams? No, well, Strick, he just, you know, again, we were down the practicing. He's kind of, we wanted to come see the guys and hang out, and he, he wanted to play with us. And he just says, Smalley, he goes, we'll take somebody on. So, <laughs> so we did. And it, it, it just gave us a chance to, to catch up for four hours and talk and, and visit. And, um, and, uh, we had two of our guys the day before, uh, you know, our whole team played for a couple of rounds. So the low two guys got to play with Strick that uh-huh. day. So it was fun for them to be able to talk to him and spend four hours with him. Now, the rest of them got to visit and, take some pictures and ask questions. But for the most part, uh, it was an honor to play with them. And, uh, uh, no, it was good. We need to do that more often. But like I said, Strick's schedule is so busy. And 
our schedule is so busy, you know, life life gets in the way sometimes. What about your schedule as a player? I know you're not focused on that at this moment, but as far as this uh, calendar year, do you have some events scheduled? Yeah, I still do. Um, I'd probably, uh, you know, it's still in me. It's still in me to go compete and to, to mix it up and to see if I can win or lose and just to throw my hat in the ring when I can. Again, t- time and things get in the way. Every year you coach, the program gets a little bigger and the mushroom <laughs> gets bigger and bigger and there's more responsibilities. So I'm trying to fit it in, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to play some time this summer. I'll play a couple of champions tour events, hopefully. And, and, um, the, as I always say though, the better I play, Steve, the more I'll play and the more opportunities I get. And if I don't play well in the sport, if you don't play well, you don't deserve it. And you, you know, you kind of stay where you're at and then I won't, I won't play much. So if I can get my game figured out and it's going the right direction right now, when I can play, if I can get that, uh, ironed out, I'll play more. Smalley, always appreciate your time. Good luck to you guys. Hope you get the, Practice rounds in, and we'll be uh, keeping an eye out on that uh, tournament down in Mobile the first of the week. Well, thanks, fellas. It's always good to catch up with you, and um, I appreciate you. My guys appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you soon. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Mike Small, in his 23rd year as head golf coach, 12 of the last 13 Big Ten championships, including seven straight for the Illinois golf team and Mike Small. 10.45 is the time. If you happen to be in the market for some new windows or doors, the folks at Illini Pella want to help you find the perfect window or door for your property, whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors. The best way to start is checking out their showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you can see the products in person. Discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of the -the between-the-glass blinds, or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. You know, Pella has been rated as the number one window and door maker by Champagne Homemakers for the brand that can improve the value of your home. And when you talk to the experts out there, they know all about what type of window or door works best in each unique home. Working with the folks at Illini Pella is an easy process, and they'll be there to help you along the way from the shopping part to the installation as well. Give them some lead time, though, on getting the products in for you. But visit the showroom to get started, 1001 North Country Fair Drive, or give them a call, 356-6474. Check out the website at PellaOfChampagne.com. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, Saturday by appointment. 1047, let's take a call here before we take a quick break. And Jim is with us. Go ahead, Jim. What's on your mind? Hello, gentlemen. I know you've talked at nauseum about name image likeness and i just wondered what type of pandora's box do you think has been opened with the ihsa this week announcing that they're going to allow name image likeness deals for high school students oh boy (laughs) i mean it's a box that's been opened i mean there's it's going to be the same thing i mean it's going to be secret and you don't know who's getting what and and I'm sure that uh, players will be enticed by, induced to, to go from one place to another, as they already are, but even more so. Well, and don't you think, I'm just curious, you know, we talk about the haves and have-nots. And if you're not in a uh, densely populated area that has a lot of business background in it, you're probably not getting, going to get an NIL deal. But then I think, too, the, you know, we always talk about the debate with, with private schools and public schools. Don't you think the NIL deals, though, 
for private schools. The, the undue influence there from the private school is now, hey, if you come here to this institution, we'll make sure you get the NIL deal, won't have to worry about your tuition, but you got to come here. And that's outside of purview from the IHSA because those, those NIL businesses can do whatever they they want. I just like to see see what you know some right. of the high school coaches are thinking about that. And this goes into effect next year. And then you're talking about you know the top level blue chip recruits. What are they going to get? Well, they will get whatever the donors want to give them. <laughs> That's the answer yeah. to that. I mean, you can't put limits on it. And since you can't, why there will be people that will go way overboard on it. Yep. Well, I just I, I'd just like to hear some high school coaches their reactions to it you guys have a good day okay jim thanks for the call we appreciate it Ten forty-nine. a quick break back with more after this illini family this is brett bielema you've got the home of illinois football news talk 1400 and 93.9 fm 10:51. illini pillow saturday sports talk We'll be getting out of the way here in a few minutes for Fighting Illini Game Day, which gets underway right after the show at 11, Illinois and Rutgers. This afternoon at the State Farm Center at 1 o'clock. Phone line is open for the next five minutes or so, 217-356-9397. We were talking about three-pointers and such. A texter uh, let us know that, and I remember this kind of, Grinnell College out in Iowa once took 111 Three-point shots. All their shots were three-pointers. Every single shot. In a game. And they made 40. <laughs> okay. They had 120 points then. Yeah, they did. One, 124 to 67 was the uh, final in the ballgame. We, we just checked that out. They didn't draw many free throws, did they? <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> but that's a lot of three-point shots. And uh, I guess that's, you, the one, that's the one negative about shooting a lot of three-pointers that you forget is you don't draw fouls on those very often and you don't foul other players out of the game. You know, one of the key games, one of the key things that today, Steve, will be the battle at center and which center gets two fouls the quickest because as soon as one of them gets two fouls, he's out of the ball game. And that's that's critical for Illinois. I mean, uh, this, I, this there's going to be a real war at the center position today. There is, and uh, that should be a, an excellent defensive ball game getting underway at uh, 1 o'clock at the State Farm Center. Cliff Amore is, is, is the leading scorer for Rutgers at 13-5, and mm-hmm. he's averaging 9.8 rebounds a game. He's from Nigeria, and then we got Dane Danger going against him, and I just think that uh, that's, a, that's a, maybe the most crucial battle in the game because this guy can hurt you. And if you can get him out of the game, it's really – I think Illinois is at its best in the half-court offense when they get the ball to danger. I think that is the thing that, that causes the most problem, and not many teams are double-teaming him. I mean, it happens from time to time, but most don't. So he's got a one-on-one chance to score in there and draw a foul maybe. Another text we had earlier in the show, but we'll get it in now, asking about um, – What's next for Josh Whitman as far as facilities go now that uh, the Ubbin uh, project is pretty much completed and uh, rededicated yesterday? Memorial Stadium, maybe, the south end zone? That was the part well, of the question. Well, of course, they got the wrestling thing that's going to go up. Yes. Next, uh, but uh, that hasn't started yet. But 
Uh, that that will certainly be one. But I I don't. He brought up the the fact that there that we need a Hall of Fame area, and he said his I- idea is to put it in uh, on the south end of the stadium if they re you know if they redo that area. But he said right now we don't have the money to do that. He didn't say it that way, but he said we don't have the wherewithal uh, to to be able to move on that yet. And it, I don't know if they will be able to. But in any case, um, he has that in mind. Let's put it that way. A couple of football notes. The uh, spring game has been set for April the 20th. That's a Thursday night, 730 spring football game. Yeah. That'll be kind of the wrap-up of spring practices. Yeah. Getting underway before long. And it will be open to the public and free to the public. No charge on that. That will be your only time to see the football team during the, the spring. But that's coming up on um, Thursday, April the 20th. Okay, here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. And this is a personal complaint, okay? If you are going to show your team in a full sc- in a full scrimmage, what would be wrong with showing it a few more times to the media so we'd have some idea of what's going on? You're preaching to the choir here. Okay. Can't answer that for you. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I would like to be able to just sit down with Bielman and say, well, now wait a minute, why, what would be the, what would, what would be the detriment there to letting us see it? We're going to go 15, 14 of the fifteen practice. We're not going to be able to see. We aren't going to be able to watch a quarterback throw. We aren't going to be now. Uh, uh, are you running play? Well, you got to run plays when you have a, a scrimmage. So we'll see plays. Everybody will see the plays. But that's not the most important thing to me. I, the most important thing to me is to watch what's developing in the in the offensive line, what's developing, you know, at other in the, in the secondary. Offensive line and secondary are, are crucial. There's going to be new players in there. So anyway, I, that's just my. Uh, I don't know that there are many football coaches out there, other than um, just a handful that really. Care about what you think? Oh, about, that's right. There is about no, seeing an, practice or not. Mike one. Leach might be the one. one oh, guy, yeah, the well, late Mike Leach. Well, I think his practices are open all the time. I know they he were. doesn't care. But um, anyway, I, it's just a, a just a concern because I'm going to walk into that spring game like everybody else without any knowledge of what to expect. One other football note here, and about the last minute we have on the show: Chase Brown, Sidney Brown. Quan Martin and Devin Witherspoon all uh, invited to the NFL Combine. In Indianapolis. Indianapolis, February 28th through March 6th. They'll interview and work out in front of the NFL scouts, and uh, that should be a, a big opportunity for those four It's guys. really been interesting how Spoon has gone straight from the second the round right into the edge of the first round, right on up, and now he's, he's in the top ten in some of these mock drafts. Yep. Big basketball day, Penn State at Maryland at 11. The uh, game of note around here, of course, is Rutgers at Illinois at 1 o'clock. You can hear it all right here, beginning with Fighting Illini game day coming up shortly. Wisconsin's at Nebraska, and Indiana is at Michigan on the Saturday schedule. Three more games tomorrow. Appreciate you listening. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk for Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks to Dave Leak here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. 
Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online. PellaofChampagne.com